What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Built Different Podcast brought to you by Tucker Speed. Today, we are joined by another local uh, shop owner, bike builder, car builder, Dave Christensen of Power Colt Performance. Um, he's built some really rad bikes in the past. He's been in the scene for a long time. You know, they do some car builds, some truck builds at his other business. And we talked about that. We talked about, you know, raising kids. Uh, me and Dave are similar in age. We talked a lot about growing up as skate, BMX, motocross kids and how that transitioned into motorcycles. Um, we talked a little bit about jujitsu and just life and parenting. Uh, it was a great conversation with a really great dude. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. But first, remember, this podcast is brought to you by TuckerSpeed.com, your one-stop shop for all your performance needs. Get a hold of us. We'd love to help you out getting your bike dialed in this offseason, get you, you know, rolling for next summer. Uh, coming out shortly is our biggest sale of the year, our Black Friday sale. It'll be out real soon. Uh, stay tuned with uh, in our email, uh, social media, for details on that coming out really quick. And lastly, if you've been enjoying the show, please do us a huge favor follow, leave us a five-star review, and maybe even share it with a buddy or two. Really just helps us get this podcast going. It's relatively new, and we're trying to get it out there to as many people. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Making power by day, making friends at night. Rolling, Jordan? Rolling. Rolling. What's up, Dave? What up, man? Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's been an honor to be here. Or it S is an honor. So uh so you're Dave Christensen of Power Colt Performance. Yeah. I, I guess you could say that. Power any Colt any other uh businesses of yours that you want to claim on the podcast? I know you're kind of a man of many talents and hats, you know, you got a lot going on. But, I do. I, you know, I guess the power so. cult thing is kind of like your it's a passion project. Yeah, it's a way to yeah. lose money. Yeah, they, they say you want to lose money quick. Start a t-shirt business. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean the motorcycles are cheap, right? It's a bad addiction. Yeah, we should have just stuck to the easy stuff. Well, it's hard. I mean, like, I mean, you did it for a long time where you were just kind of like. It was just what you were into, right? Yeah. Like you were just into motorcycles and then like you try and make a business out of it somehow. And then, I don't know, then it just gets worse from there. Just think if uh, all you wanted to do is buy a new pair of basketball shoes and a basketball. Right. <laughs> a lot yeah, easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, trying to keep up with like trends and or try and like stay relevant. Like if you're in the in the industry, like... I feel like I, you know, you have to be building something new all the time. Yeah, especially if you're trying to go towards a target audience. With uh, Power Colt, there definitely has been a target audience in the past, but lately we're trying to, I think we're letting it go because, like you said, we're into just so many different things. It's, it's that, and it gets, for me, it gets boring to just do one thing. Yeah. That's been the blessing and the curse of my life is being able to do different things. But I mean, what all does Power Colt? I mean, you guys are doing cars, you know, trophy trucks, like all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, it's just like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, 
So basically, we, we own a junkyard uh, here in Utah. We have a place called Utah Pick Apart. And that actually is the breadwinner that allows us to play in the shop. Mm-hmm. So we're able just to basically keep that thing smooth sailing, and it allows us to do all the other little hobbies and interests we're into. But basically, I mean, my passion has been motorcycles for years, for the last at least 20. Mm-hmm. But then little things pop up, uh, you know, like hobbies or bro hobbies. Yeah. It could be from anything from RC cars to, like you said, I wanted, I had a, it was like a dream. I guess right now I'm fulfilling all my childhood dreams. Mm-hmm. I wanted a trophy truck, but oh my gosh, pre-runners, I, my truck is by far not a trophy truck, but like off-road truck, you, it's so expensive. Like when you, when I was 16, I wanted one, but basically it turns into a street runner. You afford fiberglass or make it look like it's flared or make it looks like it has suspension, but it's basically stock. Right. Might have been a leveling kit with oversized <laughs> tires, and then we go jump it out in the desert and get stuck and... So basically, I guess, you know, you could say with time, you get adult money, mm-hmm. things change. But some of the things we build are so stupid, like, because they're just childhood. Six, they're teenager dreams. But it's cool. I mean, like, you get, like you said, it's a passion project. Like, you know, it's kind of a little side hustle, if you will, that can kind of build a little brand around. And you guys create a little bit of content, you know, social media, YouTube stuff, which yeah, is cool. We- we tried to dabble in a little all that. Yeah. Like you said, trying to stay relevant or try to get out there. I don't think me or my uh, partner in the merch company care about being famous by any means. We just want to do cool stuff. You just want to be able to make enough money to afford your hobby, right? Yeah. I think that's what most of us do. Yeah. Uh, support the addiction. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy, though, either. I mean... And with, I mean, the thing is, is like Instagram, YouTube, all the different social media, it, it, it's so easy for you to do it, but it's easy for everybody to do it. So it's so hard to break into it yeah. and like get, you know, go viral or whatever, you know, and get big because there's so many tr- people trying to do it. Yeah. So you get a little bit lost. It's cool. I think like, like if you think back, like in the nineties, like, you know, early 2000s or even older like like if you got in a magazine whether it was a motorcycle magazine skate magazine truck magazine or whatever like that was a big deal and like you you've made it like social media is like leveled the playing field where everybody can put their stuff out there but then it's weird because there's not like these like rock stars anymore you know what i mean like it's especially nowadays it's leveled everybody you know and so, like, it, if you think about, like, who's the rock star right now in, like, the motorcycle world or the car world or the truck world or whatever it is, like, there isn't, like, five people that are, like, the Rushmore of that industry. It's just, like, there's tons of people out there yeah, that you know of because, you, you know, you see them all on, on Instagram. Exactly, especially in, like, there's so many genres. You might ask your kid, like, who's your idol? Who's the coolest person around? And... Might be some Instagrammer or nowadays TikToker. Oh, yeah, that doesn't even have a talent. Doesn't have a talent. They just post videos. Yeah, and for some reason they're famous now. Yeah, yeah. 
It I think it's, me. Yeah, it's crazy because my kids watch all these YouTube videos that you know have uh, millions, millions of views, and it's just like little kids playing with toys or little kids just playing at home. Yeah, know? what's that one little kid that his parents just film him playing with toys? Now he has like his own toy line in Walmart. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah, that's one of oh them. Oh my gosh! You know, I want some of that Mr. Beast money though. Oh, for real. Dude. You know, another example of like, I mean, and I don't want to call him, you know, I, I don't want to say he's not talented, but like he doesn't like he's not like in the shop building cars or motorcycles or, you know, he's not like a skateboarder, like, you know, shredding the skate parks or anything. He's just like coming up with crazy ideas and making millions of dollars. Yeah, I think the only thing I could say is you got to take your hat off for him just putting in the time and like basically just putting himself out there because oh, yeah. I'm sure like you said a lot anyone anyone could do this but you have to be able to put yourself out there yeah and it takes a certain bit of smarts to figure out what's going to get the views right like yeah I, I don't think he just stumbled into it like there there probably was some luck but to get like where he's at now there's actually there's some thought put into it hundred percent. I listen to his stuff. podcast on Rogan and he has like, it's a science. He's got it down yeah. where he knows algorithms and exactly what yeah, does good right. and what doesn't. Yeah. And so he put in a long enough time and put that, I guess the word is the content pushing out that content. Yeah. Because if you don't put out content, then no one, there's no one to watch it. Yeah. And that's the hard part. I think, you know, that you've probably found that I've found is like content good content and like at a high frequency like it's got to be all the time or you lose people yeah you know what i mean like if you don't have a new video out every other day people just forget about you yeah and then there's your target audience i think i think i read somewhere where most of his audience is like 14 and below so really? it's like all your kids just mm -hmm. watching 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 well and that, all the yeah. ipad kids yeah and how many kids you know are watching youtube now instead of Saturday morning cartoons. You know what I mean? Like, how many do your kids watch TV? My no. kids don't really watch TV. No. Like, they never turn the TV on. I tried to get them to watch some Halloween movies this season, and yeah. they're like, no. Yeah, my, my kids would just assume, like, either on an iPad or on their phone, sit in their bedroom and just watch YouTube. Yeah. They're not, they're not watching TV like, you know, like we used to, like, you know what I mean? Like Saturday morning cartoons. Fighting over the, the, the one TV in the house, you know, your dad's like, your dad comes home and he's like, nope, TV's mine. And you're like, damn it. Watching Topanga Friday night. <laughs> yeah, no T kidding. TGI Friday. <laughs> yeah, those days are gone. And all those millions of viewers that were watching that stuff in the 90s, all, the, all those views are now on TikTok or YouTube or yeah. wherever. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's wild. Different times. Yeah, and it's constantly still changing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier, like, I mean, what podcast do you listen to? Uh, I mean, the, the first one mainly is Joe Rogan. I was mentioning to you that I, I, I don't know what it is, but his, like, voice calms me down. Like, when I get in the morning, uh, when I get in my truck and hear his voice, whoever he's, some, I don't know, some people that he interviews I don't care for, but... For the majority of the time, I listen to him. Um, all the comedians now have podcasts, and they're hilarious. I mean, what's, what better to get you through your day than, like, 
comedy and laugh. Humor. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I love uh, now that I'm on camera in my face, I'm blanking out. But Tom Segura, one of my oh, favorites. Yeah. He has one. Uh, him and his wife called your mom's house. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah. I haven't listened. I see. I listen to Rogan and I listen to the Meat Eater podcast, and yeah, that's, that's the crazy. only the only two podcasts that I really listen to. I, I really, even listen to this podcast, <laughs> which is funny, but I don't like to listen to myself. I can see that, yeah. You know, I don't like watching it's myself. It's weird, you know. My I kids, try. What about your kids? Do they like it? No. No. They don't really, they don't listen to it. But, and I don't think my kids really listen to any podcast, though. Like, they, I don't think they've really gotten to the age where they're, like, listening to a podcast. Like, they're listening to just conversation. I think they like to see, you know... They'll wa they'll yeah. watch they'll watch somebody play Minecraft for four hours. Oh, dude, that one drives but I, me. You know what I mean? Nuts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how anyone could do but, that. But but I don't think that they're really into like listening to a conversation yet. I you know I just don't know if they're not. Yeah, quite it's like old watching enough. the news when you're a kid. Yeah, you're, you didn't want to watch the news with your parents. Right, it seems so boring. Right, I think it's kind of that same thing. Or like talk the, radio. Yeah, which was yeah. before its time of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like that was, yeah, I mean, I never wanted to listen to that. Like, yeah, shoot me in the head. Yeah. So it's kind of, I think my kids don't really listen to podcasts, so they don't listen to mine. So Meat Eater's a funny one. I didn't take you for the hunter, the hunter gatherer. I love that stuff. I don't do any of it now. Um, I did as a kid, like my dad hunted when I was young and we used to hunt when I was younger and a lot of my dad's family does. Uh, my dad kind of got out of it, you know, when I was late teens and I just never really like did it on my own without him yeah like once he kind of quit like I I just didn't pursue it like but I, I there's times where I miss it like because and, and it was about that time that like we we really started like as a family like we started to get into power sports and motorsports like dirt bikes and ATVs and sand rails and stuff so it was like my focus kind of shifted from like hunting into that stuff. And then like that just kind of took over my life at that time. Yeah. How old were you when you got your first motorcycle? Um, probably 10. You remember that day still? It was a four. It was actually an ATV. It was a four wheeler. Four -wheeler. It was my, the first, you know, and, and it just happened. Like it wasn't even technically mine. It yeah. was like my uncle's that my dad borrowed to like help us like do some work around the yard. And then it just like got left at our house and like behind our house was just like woods. And I'm just like, I'm just going to hop on this thing and just start riding. And that's really, and I was the oldest of all my siblings. And, uh, I hopped on that thing and just started tearing through the woods. And then a buddy across the street, he had like a, like a farm machine, four-wheeler that he like hopped on and we would just terrorize the neighborhood and that's really kind of where it started for me like and then me and him were like begging our dads to buy us like a motocross bike and we both got motocross bikes and then you know it kind of just went from there that's awesome so i can still remember my first one it was a yz60 it was a christmas i don't remember exactly how old i was but probably like seven or eight it was a yellow YZ60. It was around the first year of the first Monoshock. Mm -hmm. And uh, Christmas was over. And they're like, all right, let's go in and have some breakfast. And it was sitting in the kitchen. 
Oh, really? Just like complete How old surprise. Were you? I think seven. Okay. I probably have to do the math and look up what year the mono shot came out with. Yeah. I remember, yeah, it was a YZ60 yellow, and it was the kickstand was sitting on a paper plate, so it didn't. Oh, it's like scratch up the floor. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was it's two stroke, and uh, that, that we had that bike for years. In fact, we'd still have it, but they gave it away while I was out of the country for a really? while. Yeah. I was so bummed. I wish I still had that bike. Perfect, like, pit bike nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the same size. Yeah, I I was always, like, like drawn to two wheels. Like, even, because we did, we, we spent a lot of time riding four-wheelers as a kid. Like, but I was always, like, just infatuated with two wheels. Like, motocross was, like, my thing. We went over to one of my buddy or my dad's buddy's house one time, and he had a CR80, like, just sitting in the garage. And I'm like, can I ride that thing? And he's like, sure. And I hopped on it and, like, was tearing around the backfield. And, like, I ate shit on that thing so hard. Like, but, like, I... I always wanted an 80. Those things looked... That was, like, the first, like, size bike that really looks like a race bike. Yeah. Had the had that, like, I, I'd say modern for the time. Yeah. Modern kind of motocross There was a couple look. neighborhood kids that had the sweet... 80 there was a like a retro like yellow one with blue and turquoise crazy patterns on mm-hmm. it oh that thing i wanted one of those so bad yeah and i had a buddy in junior high that he had a, a kx 100 you know and that that thing was just like the coolest bike ever you know to us like oh yeah it was like it was bigger than 100. an 80 yeah you know it was like but we weren't quite big enough to ride big bikes yet but that 100 was just like you know, it was like, you know, the green with like the purple graphics and the purple yes. scene is just, just cool as shit. Crazy that we're old enough that those patterns are all coming back in style. Oh, I know. 100%. Yeah. Me and my buddy from high school that, uh, we both got brand new CR125s together. Uh, our dad bought us both a CR125 when we were teenagers. And, uh, we rode the hell out of those things together and, and, and we still talk a lot and hang out and stuff. And we've been talking about like finding a 97 CR125 together and just like restoring it back to like showroom. Yeah. Like status, like how we both got ours. Like that would be then. the coolest. I've dabbled in trying to find my first bike, uh-huh. but not the same one, but like same year, same yeah. colors and like restore it. Yeah. Have you seen like videos on YouTube? Guys go nuts on restoring those old. Oh, dude. Like there's a, a, a guy I know in Salt Lake. Uh, Spencer Lujak, I don't know if you know him, mm. but he's kind of big in the motocross world. But he he like builds some legit like like restored like '90s motocross bikes and then sells them, and they oh. sell for crazy money, man. Like twenty, thirty grand. That's sick. That that some dude just like has to have it for like to put in his garage or in his man cave because it's what he rode back in the day. You know? Oh, exactly. That, uh, the 125, that was the first year I started racing was 125s. Mm-hmm. My dad wouldn't let me race until I could drive myself to the track. Oh, because really? he didn't. He knew I was going to get hurt, and I was always hurt. <laughs> yeah. Always. I took the ambulance home many times Yeah, from the Las Vegas Speedway track. You guys were in Vegas at the yeah, time? Oh, that's right. You grew, you grew up in Vegas, right? Grew up in Las Vegas. I've been in Utah since uh, 2008. Okay. So I've been here for a while now. But yeah, grow uh, my grandpa and my dad, big desert racers. They mm-hmm. did like the old Vegas Torino stuff, like best in the desert. Okay, race series. 
Like the long distance desert long stuff. Long distance and Husqvarna's cool bikes. Before Husqvarna's was like race bikes and owned by KTM. Yeah. Like, and I know back when they were like just an off road, like a like not motocross, but like like they were desert bikes. Dude, one of the fastest bikes I've ever ridden to this day is this two stroke five ten dual exhaust. <sighs> Dude, that thing was I looped that thing so many times. Yeah. Doing wheelies on the street. I did the same thing. I don't know what my dad was thinking, but I was 16 or 17 and we were, like I said, we were riding a lot of motor or like ATV stuff. We were doing a lot of dune riding and, uh, and I got that 125 and I'd take that out to the dunes, but I like that 125 was just getting worked out in the sand, you know? So he like buys, buys me this CR 500, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like 16 years old. I probably weighed a hundred pounds. That's the dune machine. And, uh, dude, I... I don't know how many times, like, I just would, like, blip the throttle on that thing like I would on my 125, and it would just send me, you know, I just... Especially with paddles in the sand. Yeah, you know, like, the first time I ever rode it at the dunes, like, I, it had a paddle on it, and it was kind of like it rained, like, the day before, so the, the sand was, like, kind of heavy, so it was hooking pretty good. But I, like, roll up, and, like, there's just, like, just this little roller, and, like, on my 125, I could just, like, hit that roller and just, like like just like kind of just dump it and like i hit that thing in that 500 and it just like bottomed out and like seat like accidentally seat bounced me and just pitched me forward like <laughs> i was like like it you know and that happened so many times i i can't believe my dad bought me that bike but cool enough that you still remember it today. oh for sure yeah that's like the first bike that i'd be scared of like holy crap you have a yeah. 500 yeah like that's insane I've had like I remember a neighbor was like yeah you want to ride it and I was like no I it was, was scary man I you know like in it like we took it uh, we took that bike we took a bunch of bikes me and my buddies we went to St George for spring break one year in high school and we took all of our bikes down there to like just ride around in the desert and stuff and one of our buddies like his parents were like do not ride anything like we don't like you're forbidden to ride anything like don't touch a motorcycle, an ATV, or anything. Sure enough, we unload everything off the trailer, and he hops on that 500. And, like, f- within five minutes of us being there, he's, like, wadded up out in the desert and has to go <laughs> to the hospital. You know what I mean? That 500 would just eat people up. And then you have to call the parents and tell them. Oh, they were so mad. The and they had to, like, drive down to St. George and pick him up. Um, when we used to go to the track, every time I'd wreck, my friends would all, like, have to draw straws on who's going to call my dad because <laughs> he would like freak out on them he's like i don't want to call his dad you call him you call him and and every time he'd get pissed and, like it was their fault or something and right it's no one's fault but my own but then uh and he always tell me he's like don't get in the ambulance don't no ambulance rides that's expensive just put him in the car and i'll meet you in the ho- at the hospital and too many times i had to do that yeah good times though i mean I mean, that's what it was all about growing up. Like, how old are you now? Uh, I'm 40. I'll be 41 in January. Okay. So we're close to the same age. Oh I'm 43. Feels old. Oh, yeah. Feels way old, especially with a broken leg right now. I definitely feel way old. Are you going to stay off the dirt tracker? Probably the dirt tracker. Flat track bike? That's the one that always hurts me. Like, the BRL bike has not been, like, it's been relatively safe. Like, I've gone down a couple times, but never, like, you know, 
like you're wearing a lot more protective gear and there's like runoff areas on those tra tracks so you, you just kind of like slide you know what i mean like it's relatively safe although you know the speeds are a lot higher but every time i get hurt it's on that dirt track bike high siding into the wall yeah you know just stupid stuff like that yeah um so yeah i don't know the thing is is i still love doing it dude you know i uh you inspired me and you helped me build a flat track bike and i never got to race it it was around the time that like x games um mm -hmm. introduced it as a sport and i was like no way this is my time to shine i'm gonna be in the x games yeah. at, at 39 40 years old and then it, it, COVID it, it like, hit and it died yeah. and the hooligan scene was kind of like a flash in the pan it got really big and then it kind of died off like like just as quick yeah it came on and, and i was just lucky enough that like i got in at the right time and was lucky enough to go to x games that's which was is like even yeah, like even still like I it was five years ago now and it's still it's wild that to think that, yeah it was 2018. you were in the x games yeah that's and, and so like you know growing cool. up like in the 90s and 2000s like the x games for us were pinnacle like the thing you know coolest what I mean? thing ever yeah like, like, screw the super bowl you yeah, went to the X Games. Right. So it was like a, I, I just happened to get into it at the you know at the right time. I got into it in 2017, and just got lucky enough to kind of get into it at the right time. And then was go, it only one year that they did X Games. They did it three three, three years. They did it three years. Yeah, three years. I, and I went back because they ran like a. They ran what they did is just like it was a one race qualifier. So like you'd have to go to that race. And then, like, the top so many in that race got to go to X Games. And, and I went to the next year's uh, qualifier, but I didn't. I crashed and didn't qualify the next, for 2019. So, Dude, that's, the other cool thing was all the, like, heroes that you were racing against. I, I got to go watch you in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. and you're racing, like, with Travis Pastrana. Yeah, like that total was another childhood, even though we're around the same age, but I watched him. But in, still, he was like a child star. You know, yeah. he's the same age as us, but he's all over, you know, motocross movies and all over X Games and stuff. Yeah, that was a wild moment. Like when I lined up on the starting line and he's like legit lined up right next to me. Yeah, and he I looks over to me and he's like screaming in his helmet and he like fist bumped me. I was just like, whoa. How surreal. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Dude. That, yeah, it was wild. So yeah, that I think that's that weekend gave me the bug. I was like, oh, really? I gotta build one. And we built a hell of a bike. Mm -hmm. That was a fun build. I mean, we'll get into that. Is that's mostly what Power Colt's done for me, and is just allow me to uh, get in and build whatever I want. Yeah, and that's like what drives me is. Well, it's I don't know. I guess it's it's like art. You get to express yourself in different yeah. ways and there's a billion different ways to do it in motorcycles for sure but that's the beauty of motorcycles but that's you know it's weird that everything gets so clicky too yeah. you know but but yeah i mean that i think the i think the, that goes away with age clickiness i i was right. definitely super clicky when i started in it, really i'm like i just want to be friends with different people and do things and it's all cool shit, right? Dude, that's... It's all cool. Whether you're building, you know, a, an old-school chopper, a hooligan, you know, flat tracker, or a 2023 road glide. Yeah. 
or or if you're restoring old motocross bikes like that you know it's all cool it's all expensive it's all expensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that uh i i almost got to race that bike we had the last local hooligan race at the utah did you race that race at um oh the one here yeah at the fairgrounds yeah the fairgrounds mm -hmm. yeah yeah i raced out there that was the last chance i was gonna get and i said if i don't race this one i'm selling it and didn't race didn't race yeah well and it sucked because you built that bike and you started building it in what like 2019 yeah and then the next year like 2020 like all, all the hooligan racing and everything kind of got shut down for a while yeah and what what year was that race the the one here was that in 2021 it was like the first year that like covid finally started to slow down I think it was 20 uh, yeah i i get so bad like i lose track of time it's crazy to think like the x games was five years ago like i just still blows my mind i, like, feel like I lose track of all these years i fully feel like we got robbed of three years of our lives a little bit because of the shutdown yeah even though we in utah just skated by under I, the radar i think we did for sure i mean like dude i I talk to people in other states and they're like, yeah, we can't even go to work. My buddy got paid two solid years to stay at home. He worked for the casinos in Vegas. Can you imagine sitting at home out. and they, they kept everyone on payroll and he sat at home for two solid years? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get that luxury. I mean, the crazy thing for me is like 2020 was like, like a killer year for us business-wise. I was, I was busier than ever in 2020. And, uh, you know, I do think Utah kind of, kind of floated under the radar a little bit no, with COVID. Did. I mean, I, we didn't change shit. Not really. We didn't do anything other than put up a plexiglass thing on our countertop. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty minimal. Like, and I remember like me and Jordan went somewhere that year and we stopped in Vegas. And it was weird because like you couldn't even walk in the front door without a mask. And then we were like, well, let's go down and gamble. And like we sit down at like a blackjack table and we're like sitting in a glass cube like by yourself, <laughs> like, you know, three sided, like you, you know, between you and the and the dealer and between and me and him are like trying to like have a drink or whatever and like play some blackjack, but it was weird because you're just like in this cube by yourself. Like it was so odd. Annoying. And like yeah. every gas station that we stopped to get gas in as we were traveling through, like mask, like, and that just didn't really exist. Yeah. A little bit in Utah, but not hardcore. No, I hardly anything other than I think it made it more convenient to go to restaurants because you could just order out and pick it up and go. Didn't even have to go in. Yeah. Kind of like that now. I, I prefer just to take the food home anyways and eat it. Do you DoorDash a lot? No. I just order and pick it up. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, I don't trust DoorDash drivers. <laughs> yeah. It's sketchy. Dude. But we <laughs> I know what yeah. I would do if I was a DoorDash driver. I, I don't want to, I don't trust people. It is weird. But yeah, me, me and, me and Tori, we DoorDash every now and then. Like my neighbor DoorDashes her coffee. I'm really? like, that's some lazy. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Like, but some, I mean, it's, it's sometimes for us, it's like a, it's a lazy thing for us. Like, you know, we're here working late and sometimes we don't get home till like seven thirty, sometimes eight o'clock in the summer. 
you know, and our kids are at home and they're like, we want dinner. And I'm like, we're not going to start cooking at eight o'clock. Like yeah. we'll just hurry and door dash something. And it's just bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do it. We do it at work. Um, yeah. We, we eat out every day and now we, sometimes it's hard to figure out where you're going to eat. You're just sick of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, if you try and like diet or like eat healthy, like that, I feel like for me, that's so hard to do. It's like so inconvenient to I'll find to... one healthy thing and then just in, do that until I can't stand it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I got really into Chick-fil-A grilled chicken nuggets. Now I can't even look at them. I'll just barf. Like yeah. I ate it every day for so long. I tried, uh, like a few months back. Um, I signed up for this like fitness and like program. It was kind of like, it was kind of like centered around motocross. Oh really? Um, it's kind of like for, for motocross athletes, like, like just like like-minded people, like, and they, they provided like workout plans and they would like, like you had like a coach that would check in with you like every day and stuff like that. And then they would provide you with like meal plans and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm going to try it. You know what I mean? I'll just see what, it, and, uh, and I tried, man, like, I was like, if I have someone to hold me accountable, I think I'll do all right. You know, like a coach that checks in every, every day or every other day to see like, did I do my workouts? Am I eating what I'm supposed to be? And I did it for about a month. And then, then I hurt my knee and kind of like <laughs> went out the window. Now it's back to pizza and cheese. Pretty burgers. much like whatever, you know, and at that time I was just laid up in bed. So it was just pretty much whatever anybody brought me. Being laid up is the worst. Yeah someone's uh instagram marketing sucked you in on that one. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it got you. Uh, for sure. You know, it was it got me and I I started looking into it and it's like you look into it and you're like, man, that's going to change my life, you know. Target I mean? marketing, for sure. You know. And it's and it's all just because everything I look at is, you know, motorcycle related. Like I watch so many motocross videos online. I I, I still love that stuff. I'm sure if someone made a a pre-workout that was motorcycle based. We'd oh, probably both I'd buy be it. Eating it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eating it, just eating it, eating it dry, dry in the powder. It. Yeah. No, it it that stuff's crazy. It works, but yeah, I, that's exactly what it was for me. You know, it's like sign up like a oh, monthly it fee all the time. I I was telling you I I got into jujitsu like six months ago. Now that's all I get is you need this for jujitsu. You need this for jujitsu, mm -hmm. and then just shoving it down my throat and i mean what what got you into jujitsu uh working out with one of my buddies that's in it and he would come back he'd come with like a black eye and i'm like how'd you get a black eye would you get in a fight last night like, jujitsu you should come do it it's awesome and then he'd have like some sc like scratched up nose and he's like what happened jujitsu you should come he just kept inviting me and i'm like and he's like uh dude i'm i'm moving to back to arizona and I'm like, oh, all right, if I'm going to do jiu-jitsu, I want to go with you for the first time at least. For He's like, well, come. I'm moving in like two weeks. We'll go as many times as you can get in. And I, I went, and, it, oh, dude, it was so hard to make myself go. Like, I was scared. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing. I'm not – I didn't do karate as It a would kid. be an intimidating thing to start. Dude, it's so scary. And then even more, dude, like, it's trial by fire. You're, you, we, we're wearing a gi. They have no gi and gi. Gi is like where you wear like the jacket and the pants mm -hmm. and the belt. That's a gi. 
no gi. You're basically, I don't know where this came from, but they wear board shorts and a rash guard, like like surfing, like boogie boarding rash guard. So it's like skin tight, mm-hmm. and that's no gi. But I was wearing a gi, and then they show you like a couple moves, and you do drilling, and then you practice that move, and then at the end of the day or the end of the class, it's you roll, which is like sparring. Mm-hmm. It's the first time, dude, that you just stand up there in front of this guy that has... Like, you don't even know? Mm-mm. And he's obviously, he's got a colored More belt, and I'm like, I got you. a white belt on, <laughs> and I knew nothing, and I'm like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? And you start rolling, and, that you know, it's all grappling, no, no striking, no punching, no kicking, and you get your ass kicked a few times, and after, at the end of the time, after getting my ass kicked for like half hour, I was like, this is awesome. I freaking love this. Like, really? And I kept going back and I was just sopping wet, soaked in sweat. And, but I was, I loved it. It was fun. Like, you know, it's, you see guys that you watch the UFC and they're beating the trash out of each other and then they hug after because mm-hmm. it's about respect. Mm-hmm. They re, you respected that that dude knew what he was doing and he handed like, your hat to you. Like, yeah. Do you think it's, uh, for you, is it, do you do it for like the fun of the grappling or is it like a legit workout? Both. And like, do you think like it's like so replaced like going to the gym? You know where I contributed to so closely is skateboarding. Really? Yeah. Like you and skateboarding, what's the first trick you learn how to do? Ollie. You learn how to do kickflip, shove it, heel flip, 360 flip. I never did 360 flips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I skated. Pretty... I love. I call myself a skater still. Like I, I love skateboarding. That's something that's even carried into my motorcycles, like inspiration. But in jujitsu, is you learn a move and then you learn another move and a counter move and this move. It's it's literally crazy. Like because you can find yourself like you don't like you get in this position where you have no idea what's going to happen next. And then all of a sudden you see an open move like, oh, his arm's up there. We, we trained on grabbing his arm and putting him into Americana or, or, a, or some other arm bar move. And it just starts clicking and it became like so much fun. It's like a puzzle, like a chess piece puzzle. And it's whoever has the most moves or like in a game of skate, like whoever's got the most moves mm-hmm. is going to win. Yeah. It's, I've never done anything like it. Like, I mean, obviously I listen to Rogan and they talk about it a lot. Yeah, you know, and, that's and, and I'd be thing. lying if I if I haven't you know like listened to him and been like, man, that kind of sounds like something I could get into. But I've never, I don't, I, I still think I'd be like super intimidated to walk into a. Definitely, a, a he's gym made like that. exact, and dude, it's still intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he. I think he made it so intriguing for every male. Yeah, because you you get the other guys, especially like, you know, the like Jocko. Mm-hmm. that big marine dude that's been on there and and he's a big uh social media um influencer like a uh, motivator yeah and they do it and um and so like it was very intriguing and it was just something i thought i'd always like to try mm-hmm. but uh finally i did it and it's it's hard i some days i do not want to do it i don't want to go but it's well i've never left thinking like I didn't wish I wish I didn't go tonight really well I think the way he kind of pitches it is like that it's not only good like a good workout but it's like a a mental a mental 
strength thing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then oh, it, dude, it, so it like creates a lot of discipline in your life. And then, you know, then he talks about like a lot of the like successful people that do it. And you're like, man, maybe I need to do jujitsu to, to be successful. Like maybe that's what I'm lacking. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. But, Zuckerberg, dudes like Mark Zuckerberg and mm-hmm. even Elon Musk are doing it. Right. It's crazy. But I still like, I've never, I don't think I've ever even been like in a fighting gym, like a boxing gym or anything. And I, 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 I would either. be, I'd be scared shitless to like walk into one. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not a big dude. I'm not a fighter. And I mean, like, it would just be like super intimidating for me to just walk in and just start. Yeah. It's funny, not, you do it for a while, and then you tell yourself, you're like, I could snap this dude's neck at any, <laughs> any second of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Something pops off, I'm ready. Well, I mean, that kind of just goes back to, like, the mental strength thing. Like, it gives you a sense of confidence a little bit. Yeah, it does. That, you know, that you didn't have before. Like, not that you're probably ever going to, like, snap some dude's neck for no reason, but, like, in the back of your mind, you know you could. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, maybe you carry yourself differently day to day. Yeah. Especially like it gives you more of a mental clarity of like how to avoid things like too. you know, mm-hmm. before young, young Dave might've wanted to get in a fight. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I'm too old. There's for no, this. no, there's no <laughs> Let's reason. Let's walk away. Yeah. yeah. Let's get out of here before this escalates. Do you, do you feel like it allows you to release like any sort of tension or aggression? Yeah. hundred percent. You're like, I need to go to jujitsu. Really? Yeah. And because you, first of all, you walk out tank emptied. You have nothing left. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you didn't try. Really? Because, and also like, it's, um, if you're not trying to kick someone's ass, you're just trying not to die. Because <laughs> someone's there trying to kick your ass and submit you and, you know, choke you out or put you in an arm bar and rip your arm off. Mm-hmm. So that's the fun it's of it. A, you're trying to you're trying to either kill someone, or in or a just safe not, way, not be killed, or not be killed. Yeah, <laughs> kill or be killed. And no. then the marketing. I, I was telling you things pop up, and then you get all the cool gear. That's just another reason. Another reason, dude. I found a camo gi the other day. I'm like, oh, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get you no matter what. No matter what you do, you're gonna you know, like you were saying like earlier, like. If you just had to buy a pair of basketball shorts and a basketball, it's like, no, because there's a new pair of shoes coming out every year. Yeah. Or whatever it is, you know, like no matter what it is you do, someone's going to find a way to like sell you more of it. Yeah. How Um, many accessories, though, you got for like motorcycles? Oh, dude, like all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. Do you remember that video, Adam, from uh, Time Warp and Lime? uh, Lime Line. Yeah. He's gonna kill us. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Adam. Limeline. He did a video of making fun of all the different uh, genres of bikers. So it looks like you're picking. He did like a video game, pick your opponent. Oh yeah, yeah. And he jumps in, and there's the Dyna Bro, and then there's like the Hey Brother Bagger Rider, and then the Sportster Kid Hipster, and yeah, the Chopper Guy. That's hilarious. There's so many different costumes for for, for motorcycles. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. Like I see them all. All day long here, you know what I mean? Like, you sell dangly things, don't you? Yep. And that's what sell. pays the bill. And they sell. <laughs> sell the shit out of those things. We sell fringe and 
tassels and all kinds of stuff but what about the guy that you always saw at like the biker rallies that just sold the spray for your sunglasses oh yeah we sell that stuff too and dude i don't know someone's buying it because they're every single they're at, they're at every rally yeah yeah they probably make more than we do probably you yeah. put in all the hard work and then they make the money selling squirt bottles of, <laughs> of water you have water <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's typical um Kind of back to motorcycles, like you've built a ton of bikes. Like, do you have one that? Let's start with this. What's your your favorite one that you've built? I couldn't answer that right now. I'm in right now. I'm in the process of building some bikes that I think will like pinnacle bikes, bikes that I've wanted to build for so long. Mm -hmm. Um. Out of all the bikes I've owned, I can tell you right now my favorite bike to date riding is FXR, my FXRP. Mm-hmm. I have. I was fortunate enough to find a real Utah. It was a, a police bike that was Utah that never went to the police. There's a little story behind it, which makes motorcycles cool. You want to yeah. hear it? Uh, local owner of the local Harley place around here ordered um like five or six for the local police department and they were at the time it was taking quite a long time this is the story i got it someone might know the actual story but supposedly um the captain or whoever is in charge of ordering the um the police bikes uh forgot that they even made the order because i guess the order was taking a long time and so dude calls him and says yo your bikes are here come get them they're finally here he's like what bikes we we just put like a new fleet of bikes in service. We we didn't order any bikes from you. And they're like, yeah, you did. You ordered them this time. And so they ordered some like Kawasaki's and they came before the Harleys. And so he sold them in pairs to his buddies. And uh, one of my buddies, Dano, had two of them matching with matching serial numbers and everything, two FXRPs. And I think mine's a 94, 1994. Mm-hmm. So they never went to the police, but they're black and white police bikes. I freaking love that bike. Really? Like, Do you still have that one? Yeah, I still have it. I, uh, I've kept most of it stock other than um, I did some over tubes in it, like two over tubes. I did everything I could to get off the ground. Yeah. For me, I'm always going for rideability and performance. If you can't ride it up the canyons here as fast as you want to go, then it, the bike's not What's for the me. What's point? Yeah. yeah. So everything I go, and that's even in some of the other bikes that I was I was going to mention is the choppers is all high and tight. Mm-hmm. Skinny, high and tight, fast. That's like be able to split lanes if you need to or want to yeah. or, or do, even though it's not legal in Utah. Everyone. But that probably, that, that probably comes, because, I mean, that's kind of how I – like all my stuff and it it probably comes from like your racing background a little bit like absolutely you were never the dude that you know was just gonna build a big wheel bagger that like you couldn't even ride yeah you know what i mean like you want to be able to ride it like if you if you buy a bike or build a bike like you want to go rip that thing before we get into my other bikes what's your favorite bike right now to date so you've built that i built amazing bikes or but, um, yeah, I get, I didn't, I mean, you, yeah, everyone has their opinion of a built or built or bought, yeah. built or bought or bolted some things on. 
But what's your favorite bike that you've owned? Um, man, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say because like I've done you know had a few bikes that have allowed me to do some some cool stuff. I mean like my track my dirt tracker. It, it's it's such a simple build. There's really not much to them, but like the things that I've done on that bike and the places it's taken me is cool. Yeah. So I, I kind of give the credit to the bike. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's um, I mean, that's my fair. road King is one that like, that's probably the one I'm the most proud of is my road King. That thing's sick. Um, it was one that like really kind of put me on the map. You know, a lot of people. You, yeah, for sure. You and I have always been on the same page of building those bikes. We, we, we talked about big boy FXRs back in the day. Yeah. And that's exactly what you went for. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of our conversations played out in that build of mine. Like, yeah. you know, we were, we were looking at a few that, you know, we were talking about them. And it's like we saw some photos of a few that guys have built, but, like, none of them were, like, just right mm-hmm. at the time. And I was like, man, I just want to, I want to do one and try and nail, you know, nail it. And so that, you know, when I started do, doing that build, like our conversations had, had some inspiration into that build, like yeah. what we talked about. And so, yeah, for sure. That, that bike is probably, you know, probably the one bike I'm probably the most proud of. That, that stems from me saying like, now that you have adult money, that was probably the first bike that you built with adult money. Yeah. For sure. Because you're back in the day, your first bagger, you had a bagger before most of the younger guys that were into the same style of bikes mm-hmm. around here. You In Utah, you were one of the first, like, bagger with T-bars. Yeah, I had, a, I had a bagger, an 08 Road Glide with T-bars and a Thunderheader and, like, blacked everything yeah. out. like Mostly stock, but probably because you didn't have – you weren't uh, ready to step I, into I that money quite, game yeah, yet. You know, and that was when I just, like – opened the shop here mm-hmm. so like that thing was sick i love that thing. um I and i love, love that bike i still yeah. love that colorway oh screaming yeah the, the orange, orange and all orange and black yeah i love i, I miss that bike sometimes because it was like the most solid bike like you could just hop on it like everything's so smooth it was so reliable like i love that bike i mean i regret selling it sometimes yeah but. if i was a multi-multi-millionaire like collector i th- i think i consider myself a collector yeah for motorcycles but if i had endless amounts of money i'd i'd have one of those in my collection for sure yeah i missed that bike um for sure that was like when baggers first went real performance i think like or uh like purpose-built performance Mm -hmm. bigger engine taller taller suspension tall suspension was the big thing like you know i talk to people all the time like when i was working at the dealership like if you came in and said i want to put tall shocks on my bagger they would laugh you out of the dealership. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like nobody was putting tall suspension on there. It was all about lowering. Yeah. You know, that was the only thing anybody did. Which makes me sick. So. Um, uh, to each their own. Plenty of people, but that just, to me, makes no sense. Cornering's everything, especially in baggers. Like, sure. It's the first thing they're going to hit the ground is your bag. Well, and they're already like so wide. You know, yeah. everything's hanging off of them. You know, you got footboards and exhaust and saddlebags that are just hanging out there. So, like, and then you lower it, and you're like, you can't even, you got to take every corner at, like, 20 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, like. You said uh, favorite, like, bike, um, 
that took you places and memories. Mm-hmm. Honestly, think I, my favorite bike to ride 100% is my FXR. Probably the most memories that I've had is on my T-Sport. I have a 2001 OG T-Sport, real fairing, mm-hmm. real bags, which is the coolest part of it. It's everyone's super got rare re- anymore. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got repop. And that, to me, is a collector's bike. I want to have that bike long enough that I'd give it to one of my boys, mm-hmm. my kids. And um, <laughs> we treated those bikes. We, Me and a big group of buddies, we took those. I've done more miles on that bike than any other bike. Really? Yeah, and we've gone up. Being in the western United States, we've done Montana, Idaho. We've been in Arizona, Wyoming, all over Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And we treated them like adventure bikes 100 percent. really we all got ultralight camp gear we bought tents uh sleeping bag roll up uh pads um all the gadgets gadgets to make camping a little more comfortable Mm -hmm. and we would just head north roll out and roll out we hit some dirt roads for miles and just set up camp and then go further and then go further Mm -hmm. it was so much fun and they're all on, like, we should have just bought adventure bikes. Right. But you use what you have at the time. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. What, uh, if you could build any bike right now, what would you build? Something I, anything? Like, you know, and money's not an, you know, you had an open checkbook, build whatever it is, start with whatever it is you want to start with, like, where would you go? Since I'm already building, which I want to tell you about, because I haven't seen you in a minute, I'm building a couple old choppers. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go buy a brand new Pan America and open the catalog and order every piece of really overlanding adventure gear. And and you would keep it a adventure bike. Keep it adventure well, bike, except for dude, yeah, FXR divisions, Pan America. Mm-hmm mind-blowing dude when i freaking saw that street machine like they completely yeah i'd do that to it for sure yeah yeah that's a badass build so so much money in in engineering and cnc parts on that bike the whole the whole bike's a piece of it's crazy because like uh one of my good friends now that i've gotten to know over the last few years did all of the machined parts on that bike oh really for them who's that uh brian from TPJ. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I've got watched a couple interviews. I don't remember. Him. It was YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. About building that bike. I don't know if but, it was on the Harley's YouTube channel or Prism Supply. Yeah. One so of those guys. He was pretty heavily involved with that build, and like, I'm stoked for him because like he's 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 transitioned like his business model from like building custom bikes, like he's just a one man dude, like works in his home garage, like. And it's just been building choppers and custom bikes for 20 years. And uh, he's basically shut that down. And he's got, you know, a couple of machines. And he's just building. Sits on SolidWorks and designs stuff. Yeah, for designs CNC parts and just is knocking out these parts. And uh, he's building some really cool stuff. Like, you know, he, he got the opportunity to work with those guys at FXR Division to build all that Pan Am stuff. And, and so I'm stoked for him that, like, that's taken off for him. And, like, he's been able to transition. Because the custom bike world is getting hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, way really hard. hard. Well, hard to innovate 
unless yeah. you're doing something like that. Most of the stuff's been pretty stale. Yeah, everyone could still knock out rad builds. For too. sure. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to make money, make a living in it. You know what I mean? So well, that's the key but that bike right was there. cool. Like you know, kind of followed those guys in that FXR tour that they just wrapped up, and uh, yeah, that that bike was super cool. But I I I think I'm with you. I kind of want to buy an adventure bike. I just don't know if I'd buy the Pan Am. I've had a couple people tell me that. Um, more like KTMs and BMWs have mm -hmm. been traded in for the Pan Am. Really? Yeah. Like, and Which I've I'm never surprised. owned any. Yeah, like KTM's I, I, a, a dirt bike. That, that's sure. a dirt bike company. And BMW's been in, like, races like the Dakar for years. Mm -hmm. Is that North, North Africa? Is that where that race is? I think it was. I don't know where it's at. But I think that, don't quote me on this, but I think that they moved it to, like, South America. Okay. But they still call it Dakar. But I could be way off. Adventure. But that type of race. race yeah. yeah. Where you're doing hundreds of miles through the craziest. I've just seen, like, those videos of dudes going over those dunes. Oh, yeah. Just and bop. just sending it. They're, it looks like they're doing, sending like, 100 it. miles an hour, and they just launch it. Yeah, it might be just a tiny little kicker, but they shoot, like, 80 feet. Yeah. And land, like, perfect. On a giant, who knows how much that BMW weighs. Oh, yeah. With yeah. Big old tank. Sticking and, out. Yeah. Big fairing, you know, like yeah, I couldn't tell you like what's the most capable, but from from the Harley standpoint, like 150 horsepower out mm -hmm. of the box is nuts. I mean, how much money have we sunk into our baggers or FXRs or Dynas and never get close to that yeah. horsepower out of the gate? Right. Yeah. It's it. I think it's impressive. I, I I'd be interested to know because I'm not well versed in the you know off-road or on off-road enduro bike you know how it stacks up compared to some of the ktms and bmws i did get a chance to ride a buddy's uh yamaha this summer um that new yamaha tenere 7 that they just came out with yeah um and it was what motors in that it's their it's the dual cylinder thank you um your gimp legs hurt. Yeah, my legs just hanging there. I can't set it on anything, but uh, they—it's the same motor that's like in their street bike, their MT07. It's like a naked sport bike, you know, 700 twin. Oh wow! And that's what's in that that Tenere. But it was like I actually rode it on our campout this summer. Someone so we were one off, out. Yes, yeah, somebody rode one out to our camp. I was out. so bummed. I missed that. And, uh, I was out of town. Should, I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to come next year. It was such a good time. But he rode it out there. And so I was like out in the desert when, like, when I hopped on it. And like, it was like just riding a dirt bike with a 700cc motor. But it was like light and nimble. Like, it was wild. Like, super nice. Like, I want to buy one. Yeah. And uh, like, that, if you want that Yamaha right I now. I want that Yamaha. But it's it's the only one I've ridden. Yeah. You know, I haven't ridden a Pan Am. I haven't ridden the KTM. I, I don't know that I'd buy a BMW. I just, I don't know. They lack cool factor to me. Except I, I saw a crotch rocket, one of their crotch rockets the other day. Oh, yeah, some they're building some looking. legit sport bike stuff. Yeah. Dude, I, I think, saw one the other day that blew my mind. I think it's like their R1000 or whatever it is they call it. They're uh, so fast. Yeah, pretty wild. Um. We were in northern Nevada on a on a run, and we saw a big pack of KTM dudes, adventure bikes, and they had, like, all the bags, all their stuff. And they came up and talked to us, and they're like, we want to go on a ride like you guys and be on your bikes. And we were like, we want to be on your bikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Everybody always wants what they don't have, though, right? Exactly. That's just how. But that's how why the world it's works. fun. You want everything. Buy one of each. Yeah. You know, and I, eventually, I mean, I've been talking about it for 15 years about buying an adventure bike. I've been talking about it for so long. Like, eventually, I'll do it. But yeah. I just, the time just hasn't ever been right. It'd be perfect for your your campout ride. Oh, you for guys sure. had how much dirt? roads did you go it, down it, it honestly was not even only footage i saw was all dirt it was all dirt but it was like the because i mean it was like mud. 100 and i don't know 150 miles to to the town that we you know and then it was like two miles of dirt road but that two miles because it had been raining all day oh. was like a nightmare it was like <laughs> nobody could like because it was like a dirt road but it was like dirt that they had brought in and it was like clay yeah and so, like, the rain just made it, like, ice. It was so slick. Dang, man. And so, but that's why everybody, and, I, and I'll, I'll give Jordan the credit, like, he was one of the first ones to be, like, like, just get off the road and go out in the sagebrush. And he's, like, and you're fine. It's not slick out here because it yeah. was, like, the natural, like, sand and, like, there was, like, weeds and stuff. So it wasn't, like, super slick. So he just, like, bombed off into the sagebrush on his soft tail. And uh, figured out that that was the way to get to camp is to don't go down the road, just get off the road and go down the sagebrush. Yeah. But not all of us think like Jordan. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, our camp out, I mean, it would have been cool to have you. We're, we're planning on doing it next year. We might have a new location. We're working on a better spot. Yeah. With more amenities, which would be nice. It seems like a nightmare with logistics and planning, but... <sighs> It was, but, like, the way it all just ended up, like... You it, had a lot worked. of help. That was, like, when you were putting together your conglomerate of Utah motorcycles. Yeah, we had, we had you know, and, the Blackline guys and, and Chandler from Hoggish and, and Saxon. Uh, he was at South Valley Harley at the time, but... All good dudes. Yeah, they're all solid dudes. And they we were all just, like, we all just came together, and, like, it, there was no, like, drama or bullshit between us it was just like yeah let's just put on a ride a, a camp out like together and just have a good time and uh it was cool for me because like it was like one of the only events that I've done since I've opened here where it wasn't I didn't have to go and like worry about working I, I you know we didn't set up a booth we weren't trying to sell merch it was like a just a legit motorcycle trip yeah everyone I know that's in the motorcycle industry and shops has a hard time finding time to even ride. Yeah. In fact, I know a bunch of guys at dealerships who don't never ride. I've said it on this podcast before. When I worked at the dealership, I didn't go to any rides, any events, any rallies or anything the whole time I worked there. Yeah. We were just talking about our buddy that just finally retired. He, he said the most excited thing he has is just to have weekends. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you've been working Saturday, Sunday for the last 17 years. Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's the dealership life is tough. I mean, and I'm still kind of in that world now. I mean, we still work Saturdays here, but you guys have done these rideouts too, which are awesome. We've done our rideouts, and I mean, and I, like I, I take my crew, like we did our camp out, and like I'll take our crew to the to the races, or like we went to the Four Corners rally, and we all like we locked the doors and we all went together. That's huge um, from a business standpoint. You know what I mean. Like, it cost me money to do that. Like, it cost me money to lock the door and then to ha take my whole crew to whatever rally. But, like, I just have the mindset of, like, I don't want it to be a prison like it felt like I was in at the dealership for these yeah. guys. And hopefully they come back from that, like, energized and, like, want to work. 
you know, and I think it works. Yeah. Well, getting out of the state, getting out of your little bubbles, and especially Utah, we're in a huge bubble. Mm -hmm. We're in a tiny bubble. But getting outside your city and out of your state and meeting other dudes, other bikers, other builders, other um, shop um, managers. Yeah. And uh, building memories. Like, we, most of our memories, we always talk about SEMA. SEMA, like going to Vegas and having fun for three or four days. If you ask my crew, what's what are some fun memories? It'd always probably be SEMA or Vegas or something. Yeah. Or we're headed to Arizona. We're going to Dino's Get Down in Phoenix, Arizona next weekend. Okay. Super and you're taking excited. like some of your guys. Yep. We're taking um, a friend and two main guys that work in the shop with me, mm -hmm. Chris and Junior. Yeah. And it's it's mainly a C10 thing, which we're super into C10s. I think if we talked about like car stuff, I would mostly talk about C10s. Really? C10s or JDM cars. But yeah, there's supposed to be like 4,000 C10s. Really? In one spot. And it's right after SEMA. So what's really cool is you get all the SEMA builds and they all go back to Arizona. And it'd be like having, you know, like a big motorcycle event right after Sturges, like of building, or I don't know. Someone, or, or like, I guess like Born Free or something, like some huge, if people were working on bikes for a year or two, and then you really get to see them in person and mm -hmm. meet, their, meet the people that built them. It's yeah. more chill than at SEMA, less of a business standpoint. Right. It's a show. That's cool. I mean, and I'm sure that like your guys probably love working for you for for <laughs> i mean debatable. yeah, yeah. I, I no mean, no no yeah it's, we, it's we've been working together a long time a working relationship for sure and that's not easy to manage yeah you know what i mean and I, I don't know how it is for you but sometimes it gets tricky because like you start traveling with some of your guys and you're hanging out and then it's like your friends and your buddies yeah. but they still are your employees and so then it like gets tricky sometimes to like manage expectations yeah you know what i mean so it, um, it creates a it, it's it's not easy yeah there's honestly some employees that I have that I really stay away from and not for any written, not because I don't like them is we don't need to have that close of a relationship yeah. to do our jobs. Yeah. But then there's the couple guys that you are really close to that you're, your brothers. I, I hang out with them more than my own family. Right. We're together 10 hours a day mm -hmm. and even on the weekends. And then we get our families together and do things like that together. But yeah. yeah. I mean, so you are legit friends. Yeah, and and I've had bad experiences. Oh my gosh, like some bad, bad experiences where you have a falling out, or you right. have to fire them, or they just don't think you're treating them up to par. They want more money or something, and you you can't afford to do it or something. It might be out of your control, but it goes south, and then that really sucks because you had a friendship built up as well and as it, the. And it's all soured because of money or time or whatever yeah. you know and you're forever Ego. the asshole yeah yeah you know you still have a business to run yeah and uh you know if you could pay them whatever they think they are owed you probably would if if money wasn't a thing yeah but at the end thing. of the day like a business has to be profitable or it's not going to be a business anymore yeah you know so it does get tricky there i mean I've had plenty of my fair share of relationships going sour, you know. Yeah, with friends and family and friends and family, and so it's it's definitely a tricky one to manage. 
but on the flip side, you could go full like hard ass and just, you know, like they are in the dealership, you know, and just totally be, I'm the boss, you're Business the employee only. and you're going to work these hours and that's it. And that's our relationship. Yeah. That I think as a, a business owner, that's exactly what you don't look for. I mean, it's great for business. Well, I guess you could argue that, but the thing is, it's like, well, especially if you, if you own mo multiple locations, sure. It's good for business, but like at, at the end of, at the end of the day, the end of my life, like I'll look back and look at all these things that I went and did, like whether it's with my crew or whatever. And it's like, like I'll be more proud of those things than the bottom line of the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you're only going to have the memories, right? Even things you might not have a bike anymore, but you'd have the memory of the bike and yeah. then the memories with the people that you did the things with right. or, or built it with. Right. And so like that, that's the one thing that probably has the most value. Like, you know, us going to rallies and shows and races, like th those are just building memories that like I get to have forever. You know, it sucks that like if some of those relationships with some of those people go sour, but still we had a good time while we were doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your favorite rally to go to right now? <sighs> you've been since you've pushed since you've built Tucker Speed, mm -hmm. you've been all over the country now. I've gone to a lot of stuff. Which for some sure. local shops don't. No. I, I I know local shops around here, this thing's sinking. That um never go to outside out, out of state deals or, or maybe close to, but you've been all over the country. You go to, East I, Coast. I've been everywhere from, you know, Daytona bike week to, to Sturgis to born free, uh, four corners. Um, you know, we did a lot of the V twin visionary shows there for a few years, which were fun to kind of travel with. That was cool to watch you do. Those. Um, I mean, I think if you ask me today, like the, the one rally that I'm most excited about right now is the four corners rally. I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, you know, we've gone, we've been there uh, twice now. Um, we were lucky enough that, like, this year, like, we had the opportunity to kind of be, not just go to the rally as, like, riders or enthusiasts, but, like, be involved with the rally. Like, we set up a booth at the dealership. Um, we hosted, a, like, an after-hours party. Um, that was cool. Like, you know, it was, like, the event of Friday night was the Tucker Speed After Hours party. Like no way, and and yeah, like that's... everybody at the rally was coming to our party. You know what I mean? And the place was packed. You know, and there's a DJ and a mechanical bull and a bar and like, I mean, and there's just industry people wandering through like at our party. And it was like super cool. Yeah, that's and, a proud uh, moment for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely was like super cool and surreal to you know see, you know. I don't want to name drop all the people walking through there, but you know, some people that I look up to in Absolutely. the industry, like just hanging out at our party. That's uh, so cool. And uh, it's a cool opportunity. So that's probably the one I'm most excited about because I'm hoping that our relationship with those guys grow. And uh, you know, we've talked, like we've gone to Sturgis a handful of times and Sturgis is fun, but sometimes it's like almost too much. It's too big. There's just too many people. Um, but it, it, it kind of depends. Like, it, are you asking me that from like a enthusiast standpoint or from the business standpoint? Because like, if, if I'm talking business wise, yeah. like if I go to Sturgis and say, I, I set up a booth somewhere for a couple of days or whatever, 
nobody's going to come home from Sturgis and be like, oh, yeah, I remember those Tucker Speed guys at that booth because there's 10,000 booths up there. You know, yeah. whether you're going over to the dealership and there's just every brand and truck and trailer and booth and they're selling this or that, or you go downtown and there's it's just lined up with vendors and whatever. It's like you just get lost in the mix, you know. The cool thing about Four Corners is that it's it's a big rally, but it's not Sturgis big. So, like, you can have an impact on with people. Like, you can have a conversation with a dude in the booth. Yeah. And he's going to come home and then call you later to buy a T-shirt or have us build his motor or something like that. You know what I mean? I'm sure you might feel like you have more of an impact on the smaller thing, but I'm sure you hit, you touch people in the right way. Even like one or two dudes, even at the bigger events. I I remember I I went to a, a show, but it was a smaller show, but I still remember the dude, uh, it was born free Two, when it was born free was a small show was in long beach on, they shut down one of the main streets and uh, Mullins Chain Drive. Mm-hmm. He had a, a table no bigger than Jordan's equipment table there with his triple trees on there. But he made he made uh, really skinny triple trees. And I remember wanting his trees for years. In fact, I'm, I don't know. You would have to look it up when Born Free 2 was. This was probably 10, over 10 years ago. But I'm putting his trees on my chopper that I'm building right now actually both choppers building a shovel head and a pan head and those and literally just because I met him at that show I I rode we me and a couple buddies went to Long Beach for the weekend had a great time and I just remembered him having cool parts that I've never seen before and I know you take your your bikes around and your bikes are mind-blowing so I'm I'm sure someone there is like dude this this kid in Utah built the sickest bike Mm -hmm. so Maybe yeah, that's my take. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe we've made that impact or not. I don't know. You know, I still look at it as just like, I'm just a small shop in Ogden. Like who, yeah. you know, I'm not anybody, anybody special, you know? So like. At the same time, do you ever just sit back and like, cause you, I think I do this all the time. I've, I've, we've grown into bigger and bigger shoes, but the shoes that I'm in 10 in now, 10 years ago, I didn't think I'd be in mm-hmm. like, you never thought you'd have, you'd have to be pushing out 20 bikes every morning to get them out of your way, out right. of the back of your shop. Right. Like that's, and well, I mean, it, 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 you it, never it, think you'd own not one, not two, but three amazing touring bikes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like sometimes you ever pinch yourself and. For sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely when I sit back and think about, you know, the bikes I have, the bikes I've built, the the places I've been, the people I've met. I'm just like, man, that's, you know, and, and think about like the flip side. Like if I would have never left the dealership, if I was just still just bolting on chrome doodads at the dealership, <laughs> like, I, you know, I could have been doing that for the last 10 years. Yeah. But, I, you know, the things I've done in the last, you know, eight or 10 years – because I've stepped out of that and just found my own way. Like, it's definitely crazy. I, you know, I would have never thought that 10 years ago. Yeah. Never. I remember that when you first started this place, this place has morphed and morphed and morphed into some crazy, like, yeah, you have your own freaking dyno room. Yeah. I mean, and, and that dyno machine, like, you know, that dyno machine stays booked up. 
You know what I, I mean? bet when you first started this, you're like, oh, I probably won't have a dyno. Like that's it was, that's too expensive. Oh that's yeah, crazy. It, was, it was like a pipe dream. Yeah, at, in, at the time, you know what I mean. It was like that was, it was like one of those things that I always wanted, but just figured I would never be able to afford it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And there and that, there it sits, paid for in full, and just really making money uh, every day. You know what I mean? So it's it's wild. Uh, it's crazy. And, you know, and, and I've been lucky enough to, like, make some relationships with, you know, some good tuners around the country. And and I have shops and places around the country that when they have customers call them about tuning, they're like, if they're in, you know, our surrounding states, they're like, go see him. You know what I mean? So, like, my reach is getting out there, which is also crazy. You know what I mean? I remember when I first started and if I could pull a customer from Salt Lake, I thought I was a big deal because I'm just in Ogden. You know what I mean? And Salt yeah. Lake seemed like so far away. It's a bigger city. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and now I, I have, you know, on a regular basis have people, you know, ship bikes or, or they'll drive in and get a hotel for a couple of days while I dyno tune their bike. You're, you've been mainly dynoing now. That's lately, pretty much right? all I do. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I don't really do a ton in the shop anymore. Um, I'm in the dyno room pretty much every day. Um, what's the biggest number? Who has the record here? Um, do you know? I guess, I mean, we've, we've, we've dynoed a couple of turbo bikes and, and they have, they have everybody else beat. Yeah. Um, but like, what are those things that like 150? No, they're, uh, like the one turbo bikes, like 180. Holy you know what I mean? But yeah. I've done I've done multiple bikes, whether it's we've tuned them or some that we've built and tuned that are 150 plus. What a, naturally aspirated? Naturally aspirated motors. M8s. M8. All in M8s. M8. I mean, and the thing is, is like the M8's such a. I mean, out of the box, it's such a better motor than the twin cam. I need to go for the record twin cam. I mean, you're not far off. Like you, you it was crazy. Got a, you definitely got a good start, like with your 120. You know, I never posted numbers yet, and I, um, I like I forgot. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to, we need to do a post on that. Yeah, that thing was crazy. It was a, it's a twin cam 120R with big cams, uh, dark horse bottom end, HPI intake, big injectors. And that thing hit, you got it to like 130 horse. Mm -hmm. And then you said, it, it just has like a, just a two brothers pipe on it. No shot at two brothers, but it's not like a big performance. I think, I think uh, a pipe, I can get more horsepower out of it. Mm -hmm. And then you had some like shimmy, didn't you say like in the drivetrain? You said, yeah, you, I think it, I think it was like, like the clutch. Something in the tranny or the clutch. Yeah. It's a stock. It's an aftermarket clutch, but stock Stock, tranny. stock transmission. That's a lot of horsepower for a stock. Yeah. Six yeah, it definitely. And I think, you know, if you wanted to, I mean, a 130 horsepower twin cam is. It's a riot. It's pretty respectable. You know what I mean? Like it pulls back in the day, end. like in the dealership, like, the, you know, they, they used to have like the hundred horsepower walls. You know what I mean? Like if you got oh, over a yeah. hundred. You were you were the talk of the town, you know what I mean? So that was my goal in my Dyna, to just get over a hundred. Yeah. And and the thing is I think like with the M eight, the the new benchmark is is one fifty. If you get over one fifty, then you get your name on the wall. Is that pretty easy? Um, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's definitely it's what, is it, what does it take? Um 
to be 150 plus, you're doing a full full motor build. You're doing a crank, big bore, uh, big bore like a you no know crank even bottom end. Yeah, 128, one you know 131, something like that. Uh, big cam, big what head is, work. What is the Harley brand like? Their stage three kit. Do you get 150 out of those? Oh no, no. not even close. Yeah, do the aftermarket stuff. Oh yeah, I'd, I. I mean, I, I I've had a few that I've tuned that were built at the dealership, like even their, their crate one thirty ones and, and they maybe make 125. Oh, really? They're, they're pretty soft. They're pretty mild. Yeah. I was wondering one of those takes out of the box. Do you, do you think that engine is better than twin cam? I do. I do. And I wasn't a believer in the beginning. You know, we, we had conversations in here like, Oh man, the twin cam is the greatest motor ever. Like, I, you know, we were joking that we were going to be the old dudes in the bar, you know, in 50 years that were like, ah, oh, twin cam was the best motor Harley ever made. And I was just like not on board with the M8 when it came out, but now working on them for a few years and building them and seeing what they can do, how, how reliable. You're they, pushing the limits because you're in the bagger race league. Racing. Yeah. I mean, with my race bike, I mean, my race bike makes 160 horse. Yeah, that's wild. Um, is the gearing different, or if, you, if could you ride it on the streets? I could ride it on the streets. Yeah, definitely. The gearing, I mean, the, in the transmission, everything's stock. Uh, gearing, like, because it's chain drive, I can alter the gear gear ratios, you know, with front and rear sprockets, and and I'll do that depending on the track. But it's still your tranny's stock, stock rate, stock gear ratios. Oh, or, okay. Yeah, like right now, I have a Baker Grudge Box in it. Um, I want to do one of those. So yeah. I mean, and I guess they're not technically stock ratios, but they're they're streetable ratios. Yeah. I should say that. So yeah, I could still. I rode it once up over Trappers. Yeah, you did that little testing right I, before. You, yeah, <clears throat> I, I had built the motor and like just wanted to kind of test. Those it are out. some big curves. Did you get? Did it? Oh no, that bike's so solid, dude. That it's bike's on rails. Yeah, it's on. It's like it's not. You're not even riding a Harley, really. Really. Yeah. Looks crazy the seats you guys run those super the tall. tall seats yeah that looks like it would be super well weird. the bike's not easy to ride around town because you I can't touch the it. ground you can't touch the ground I can't touch the ground oh, that's crazy because the suspension's five inches taller than stock and then the seats three inches taller than you know like a normal seat yeah so it's like eight inches taller than like your standard road glide that's insane um so yeah I like I have to like one it, it's like. It's like me being like 14 and trying to ride a, a full-size motocross bike again is what it feels like. Like, it's just hard to stop. You got to like get off to the side and like, so you can reach the ground with one foot. Yeah. So like around town, like it stop and go, like I, we went up over the Canyon and then back down and then we rode it down to, to the taco shop. And I, you know, like at every red light, I'm like trying not to tip over and look like I'll an idiot. Those videos on the, the midgets hurrying, jumping over. <laughs> yeah. That's what jumping it felt back like. On. Yeah. So. But yeah, I like the M8 motor. I mean, I still think the twin cam's a great motor, uh, but I love the M8. I love it. Do you, do you think uh, Evo is a dinosaur? To me, it is. I, and I still think it has its place, and I still think they're cool. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't buy a crate Evo to stick in something. Oh, I would. You would? I would, for sure. What? For the right bike, you know. Chopper? Chopper, maybe. Yeah. Fast. You know, or, or even like if I was going to like, like if I wanted to build like a cool FXR, um, but I, I wanted to leave it an Evo, I, I would, 
buy like a SNS like 111 or 124 and drop it in there for sure. Yeah. Um, you think you'd ever like if you were gonna if you, if I gave you an FXR chassis, what engine would you stick in it? Any? I I'd you, probably you, I would be I would lean towards doing an M8 FXR. Yeah, which has been done, but that's where you'd go. That's where I'd go. Yeah. There's there's been a handful of them done at this point, but just knowing the potential of an M8, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just cool. If you're going for power, I mean, which is what you and I always try to go for. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I just know the M8 at this point in and out. Oh, especially because you, yeah, all your tricks and trades for your race bike. Yeah. I mean, you my know race, what, you know, you know like, it works. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, really, like, a lot of what we're doing here in the shop anymore is, like, M8 only. Like, we still work on a lot of twin cams. Yeah. But when we're doing performance builds, it's all M8 stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm just comfortable with them. Yeah. I haven't seen you long enough that I saw you just finished your other bagger. Mm -hmm. It's like a look-alike to your race bike. Yeah. What else is done to that thing? Um, it's a mild street build as far as, like, motor goes. Um, stock bottom end. Um, it's a big bore, uh, 124 because it started life as a 107. So it's the short stroke. Uh, so it's a 124, uh, just like a mild bolt-in cam. Um, I did like a little in-house like head service on my, uh, that I just did myself and new valves and springs. I mean, and it made 130 horse. Nice. And so you might be able to keep up with mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and like I said, that's just a mild, like, a mild package that I would sell to anybody walking in to my front counter right now. Like, you know, we could do a big bore, just clean up the heads a little bit, put a bolt in cam, the decent pipe, like you're going to be 125, 130 horse all day long. Nice. That's, that's and a it's, big number, but fair. And it's like, you know, I want to say it's relatively, you know, inexpensive. I mean, but it's still crazy that, you know, a job like that is, you know, four to six grand, depending on what you put into it. Wow. So it's not cheap, but people are, that, that's what people are spending on motors nowadays. Five or six grand. Yeah. yeah. It's not, un, it's not, un, un, you know, uncommon. You think inflation's hit motor, our industries as much as the rest of the world or, yeah. or, or other, yeah. other scenes or mm -hmm. hobbies? Yeah, I think so. Especially, you know, the aftermarket world. Where have you seen it the most? Part like I know on clutches, we couldn't get a clutch. It's the clutches are still that way. What is clutches it about are, a clutch? I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if it's couldn't get clutch plates. And it's still that way. Like I, we legit. Like I was shopping the other day for a clutch for a guy, and it's like I'd say eight out of ten clutches are still on back order. Yeah, and we had to end up ordering a different clutch than we wanted, just yeah. Basically, took it's like you the just best gotta, of what was in stock. Yeah, you got to just get what you can. Um, such a pain. And it's still the, it's still the same way. And I, I think that inflation is, you know, even in tires, tires have probably, you know, I don't want to say they've doubled in price, but they've gone way oh, up in the I last remember, two, three years. Oh, yeah. I remember just you can go get a new tire for like 100 bucks. Now yeah. it's like 300 yeah. or 250. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really annoying. So tire, tires have gone up. And, it, and it's, it's hard, man. You got guys that walk into the front counter and they're like, yeah, I just need to get a new front rear tire. And you're like, yeah. Like, and we used to be, you know, well, we still are cheaper than the dealership, but now it's like you tell a guy, you know, it's six six hundred bucks to do two tires, and he's like, 
What? Oh, I thought you guys were supposed to be less expensive than the dealerships. Like, well, we'll beat their price, but that's just what it is anymore. Yeah, you know, that, the, the tires themselves are, you know, hurt your feelings a little more. Just, just getting new tires. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, I definitely think it's hit our industry just as much as it's hit anything else. Yeah, automotive, housing, you know, whatever. I Everything's mean, more money. I mean, not to completely divert, but food is the worst. I'm, I get so pissed off going mm-hmm. to the grocery store now. Oh, dude. I mean, it, it, or my family, co- it costs $100 to go to like Chick fil A. That's stupid. It's no joke. I mean, and, and you got kids just like I do. You go to the grocery store to, to feed your family, and it's, you know, even if you try and go easy, it's an easy 400, 500 bucks. Yeah. And that's just like not really like spoiling the kids. That's just getting the bare minimum. Yeah, the bare minimum. You know what I mean? You could easily spend six to 800 bucks at the grocery store. To feed your family, yeah, really quick. Yeah, when they, I, I don't know where the number comes from when they talk about inflation being up only like seven or ten percent or what. I'm like, dude, it's like two hundred percent. What are you talking yeah. about? And I don't know if you, I, I think Utah's housing market is one of the worst. You know what I mean? Like they say we're one of the worst. I, I just feel bad, like, because my two older kids have moved out of the house. You know what I mean? Well. My son, Jer, he he moved out and they got an apartment, but they had to move back into our basement because it's like they can't afford rent. They had a two-bedroom apartment. It's like 1800 bucks a month for a two-bedroom apartment, like not even yeah. a nice apartment either. I did do the move in the past like 12 months, and the only reason I did is because I capitalized on being able to sell my house for mm-hmm. way more than I bought yeah. it for. And then, but I paid the You paid inflation. it for whatever you bought. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh did you build this bagger to ride it? Is yeah. this your daily? Yeah, yeah. I got I to put say, 100 miles. It's not a show bike because you can't outshow your race bike. That thing is your race bike is insane. It, it's been cool to like show the race bike, and it, the the race bike always stands out. It shows because like top because it's parts. a race bike. You know what I mean? Like it's just stripped down. Uh, like everything on it is is there for a reason. Yeah. And the reason is to make it go fast or stop fast or stop fast or, or whatever, or turn fast or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like everything is, is, has a purpose. So it's like usually stands out in the shows, but yeah, I, I mean, I just barely built that bike, but I bought that bike at the same time as I bought my race bike. Cause I was going to build them both at the same time back in, you know, 2020. Yeah. Um, but I just barely got around to finishing this one, but yeah, it's supposed to just kind of be the streetable, version of my race bike yeah so you know and i just barely got it done right before we went to four corners and i put a hundred miles on it while we were there before i got hurt and that's all i've ridden it yeah that's been a huge bugaboo in your life this being an old man and broken stupid broken knee yeah that sucks but i was i felt so bad when i saw i'm like no didn't you get hurt in one of the last races you're in, in the, well i wrecked so i wrecked my BRL. uh no, no you, oh, i wrecked my brl bike in july at, at, at in illinois um i and i'd like bruise some ribs but that was it like i raced the rest of the weekend um but you're in full leathers yeah with all the pads what's Pad. it like to slide across the concrete at oh, 80 miles an hour it was it was pretty crazy it was yeah that was a wild one like and it, it like happened like so fast Cause I was doing like, I didn't know how fast I was going at the time, but like in our, our GoPro footage, you could like kind of zoom in on the speedometer and I was doing like 90 in that corner. 
Um, and like, so I was leaned over. The reason I went down is I was doing 90, leaned over, and my primary touched. Oh, is that is what, what happened? happened? And that's what like, so I hit the primary and it just like unloaded the tires and just slid out. What's your average speed on that on tracks? I'm sure it varies. It, track, it varies but. with tracks. I mean, if you're talking about Daytona Speedway, which is another like X Games type thing for my in my lifetime, like racing on Daytona Speedway. I mean, the average speed out there is well over 100 miles an hour. I mean, we're doing 150. I think 100 on my bike, 160 is doable on my bike at Daytona with the right gearing. Dude, that's wild. But at Daytona, it's all about gearing. Like you, but you can't put enough gearing on the bike. Really? Like you run out of you, you physically run out of of space. I've only gotten to see in person one race live. That was the when they came to Salt Lake, and when you guys are, it was really cool because we got to walk out to the wall. Yeah, and have you guys just fly right by mm -hmm. us. When I that first big left turn after the straight, mm -hmm. I can't believe. I'm like, you guys are going so fast that I'm like, this is a backer. They they can't go that fast and turn that fast. And yeah, just, just I can't believe it. I lean it and bank yeah. it in. And, and making it, it was insane. Yeah. Like this, it's, it's pushing these Harleys to the limits. Oh, for sure. It's and insane. I tell a lot of people like the, the scary, cause everybody always asks like, you know, like how fast have you gone on the bike? You know, it's like, well at Daytona, I've done, you know, 140, 150 at Daytona on that bike. But 150 is not the scary part. The scary part is like that, that corner. corner. How fast are you going to like that corner? That again? corner in Utah, like you, you go down the straightaway and then there's a, a hairpin turn at the end of it. Like the turn is the scary part. Yeah, look, you're going fast enough that it looks like you were just gonna go straight into that, that wall. Uh, that straightaway, I was hitting about 120. And That's then insane. it's like full brakes and into the corner. You drop gears too? Yeah, I think at that one I dropped two gears. I would downshift twice. Front and rear brakes? Oh yeah. But mashing on the front brakes, like as hard as you can. Die. Yeah. That's when all your suspension mm -hmm. has to be dialed. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, it's like a feel thing. Like you can't, like the more you start to lean, you have to like let off the brake. Cause if you, if you're like still mashing the brakes, it's just going to like lock Wash the front out. up and, and tuck the front. So there's like a feel thing there. Like, but you're still trying to, and the, the, I think the hardest part for me is like holding the throttle for as long as you can. Like while you're seeing that corner come up and you're just like holding it, holding it, holding it. And like your instincts is like, whoever's got the chop. biggest balls. <laughs> yeah. It's still like drive the furthest into the corner but still be able to stop and get turned you know like that's the hard part yeah it's not the it's not the top speed it's the going from top speed to getting stopped to make the corner that's the hardest i noticed a lot of stunters are in the racing mm -hmm. do you think that plays because those guys stunters ride their bikes to the limits mm -hmm. and learning and especially like when you're going into a skid or doing like circle burnouts and donuts, especially like when they're like almost drifting their bike, mm -hmm. it's no one that's like what you exactly don't want to do on a Harley. But mm -hmm. guys that are riding that style, I think, do you think that comes in? A huge I think it definitely gives them a, an, an advantage, edge. definitely. Because they, I mean, and those guys, have, I mean, to get to that point, to be able to to drift and to stunt and already even, you know, wheelie and, you know, hand drive, like, they've, they spent a lot of time on their motorcycle. Have you seen the videos of, like, sport bikers do that? They almost go into a corner, like, in a nose wheelie oh, and then yeah. put down the rear and they, they're sliding sideways, mm -hmm. like, drifting. For sure. I, you, I mean, I follow, 
like the Moto America and the Moto GP series, like the the sport bike racing. I watch that stuff pretty religiously. Yeah. And yeah, and those dudes, like if you watch some of those dudes in slow motion, they're they're jamming on the front brakes. They're that they could jam on the front brakes even harder, but they're like borderline gonna nose wheelie over. Yeah. So yeah, some of them are like back tires in the air and it like kicks them out sideways and like Dude, it's amazing it, to watch yeah. that. Probably giving up our million dollar idea, but when are we gonna see baggers on the Isle of Man? <sighs> That'd be cool. That'd be dope. That'd be wild. That is like if anyone hasn't seen that, Google or YouTube Isle of Man race. Those dudes I don't even know. Like those dudes are on it's another like watching level. death. Yeah. Like I don't know how you do that stuff. Like the way Where is the, it? Is it in Ireland? It's in one of the or or Scotland. It's on one of the islands yeah, in there. Something like that. I'm retarded. I don't uh, know yeah. where. It's but over you watch there some of those where videos, they talk funny. And yeah. And like they're blasting like through some of those like cobblestone walls and Ex stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what like I was going to say. Their shoulders are like. If they crash, they die. Oh, you're dead. Which multiple people die all the time there, right? There's been I don't think. It, yeah. I mean. But it's, there's like, and it's right through the middle of a town. You're going, you might be going by some old, some little cafe, some houses. And those guys are, what speeds do they get? I think they're well 200s? over 200. Yeah. It's insane. That's one of the coolest things. Me and my buddy Mikey have always wanted to go out and watch the races. That'd it's be, been like a bucket list thing to go watch. It'd be something to see, for sure. The Isle of Man is like one of those, kind of like the Dakar. Like, it'd just be cool to see it. Yeah. But how cool would it be to see Harleys out there? That'd be wild, man. I didn't, I'd never even thought about that. But. I just blew it. We could have we put there. it on. Yeah, somebody will be there next year. Yeah. But, well, I haven't seen you also. Last time I was here, you had a new cool tool, a frame machine. Yeah. A jig. Mm -hmm. What do you want? Is it called frame jig? Frame jig, I guess you could call it. I mean, it's a... Completely over-engineered. Yeah, it's built on top of like a weld table, um, but it's got a frame jig built on it for the M8 Softail frame is what it is right now. I'm going to um, need your assistance this winter. Build season for you for us Utahs. Yeah. Utards. <laughs> Utahs. <laughs> Though um you probably are the same way. I have these builds in my head and mm -hmm. I now it gives me anxiety until I get them out. Yeah. And now that's been my my life with Power Colt is expressing these builds that I've had in my head, like mm -hmm. ideas like a painting or a drawing or whatever, however you want to put it. But uh like I'll get a color scheme in my head before I even build the bike. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, what am I going to put that on? But uh, I really want to do, and people have been doing it. It's unfortunately, it's kind of like beginning, be pretty popular the last couple of years, but uh, up frame FXR, mm -hmm. like a chopped FXR. Mm -hmm. I want to do it. They're are cool. Gonna, are we going to do it? I'll do it. Let's I'm do down. It. Yeah. I have a twin cam motor for it. Oh, okay. It's a, uh, and there's there's so many ways to do the twin cam. It's a it's a touring. It's like a one oh it's a one oh three that we came in my bagger. Oh, okay. That we pulled out yeah. for the one twenty R. Um I also have a performance chopper that I want. I like it's like an itch I gotta scratch. Like it's definitely not your old period correct, but it's not necessarily your nineties big wheel chopper. Yeah. Super performance, high and tight, skinny, probably a little bit of an up frame, no rake. Um, I'm not a huge rake guy, even though one of my choppers that I'm building now has some rake, but it's because it's the way it came and it looks, it looks good. 
but uh, a lot of performance parts, juice brakes, some high end stuff, mm -hmm. probably the same stuff you guys like, stuff that you put on your race bikes, but on a chopper. On a chopper. That's yeah. kind of the plan for my why I have that table is, so I want to build a, an M8 chopper, and have it be very performance styled. You know what I mean? That's my. That's what I want to do with that table. Yeah. That's why I built it. That's the reason I built the table. Is, what is to build? What uh? What's some of the look that you want to go for? On a lot of that same stuff, like maybe a maybe a little bit of upstretch, D rake, even or or just not a ton of rake. Um, I'm on the fence on what I want to do with rear suspension or leave a swing no, arm or yeah, hardtail. Yeah, yeah, swing arm or, or hardtail. Um, I, I don't know. Because I, I thought it would be cool, like hardtail and like inverted front end, like polar opposites of, you know, in the suspension world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like put the best and the worst together. <laughs> yeah, and and just look at you know have people be like, well, why would you do that? Like, why would you hardtail it and inverted front end? Like, man, we had but, one mocked up back in the day at Sid's shop. We had a, it was a Sportster with a little bit of a rake, and we had a Buell inverted front end on it, mm -hmm. and then we sold it off. We never. Never, never built it. it. Yeah. yeah, I was bummed on that one. So yeah, that's kind of the idea I have with that. Like, I'll probably you know the color palette will probably be bright and wild because I just I don't know I like bright colors. Probably you know from the stems from my '90s motocross love of you know neon colors and stuff like that. Yeah, when when um, we first started posting pictures, and uh, my bagger it got it got reposted a bunch by the bagger. Um, Instagrams and everyone's like, looks just like my '90s mini truck. I'm like, good. That's exactly <laughs> that's what, what we're wanted. going for. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, definitely what it is. Like, you know, crazy 100%. neon colors, zebra stripes. Like, yeah, I was gonna mention to you. You know, Adam's kind of out of the paint game for customers because he's got a limeline going so strong, and and his content that he's doing that he really doesn't do customers' bikes. But I had something that he wanted, and he wanted. He actually was really thinking about doing the mini trucker stuff because he he kind of had one on his um his uh it's like a I don't know is it a dyno, a dyno or an FXR but it's like a shovel head engine oh yeah he did like a '80s wild paint job on it yeah I, I know what a quite retro it's, paint job yeah mm -hmm. and he's like dude I wanted to do this so I got lucky and scumbagged him into doing that for me yeah well it and turned it, out killer. Yeah, like he, beyond stoked. Yeah, it's a like super unique paint job. It's a that like, one's a trophy for me for sure. And it and it came out insane like for power wise. Mm -hmm. I got lucky on that one. Someone had uh, that engine, and it was like torn up. It was in pieces sitting at uh, Golden Spike, mm -hmm. and uh, BS was like, "Oh, I got the perfect motor for you. I bet we can get it for a good deal." And I got it. Super it worked cheap. out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great motor. Are they still I mean, even making those motors? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I think they've canned the whole everything twin cam. Yeah, is is done now. I think so. Yeah, I was stoked on that. Um, you you're, you you want to use your frame? You had a. What else do you want to build? Possibilities are endless. You know what I mean. I guess we already said enough to keep us broke for the next 10 years. <laughs> right. Adventure bike, these performance choppers. I'm in the middle um, of building uh, some something right up. Uh, you just had our buddy Cody on, Cody mm -hmm. Weber. 
he builds some really cool classic old old choppers and I'm building it, it happened it was an accident I I had I bought a 76 shovel head it was a complete bike and it was like their touring bike so it was at the FL mm-hmm. and um like it had hard bags and some weird rake but I bought it just for the motor and trans and I was gonna build a chopper and um the frame was bent and the guy that uh was originally gonna do it said I I don't want to use this frame and bought another frame and one thing led to another and now I end up uh doing a pan head it's like a 56 pan head oh okay then I'm doing like super period correct or trying to be period correct as much as I can but going out and finding the parts and not just ordering catalog catalog repop stuff yeah like trying to find some legit and that's a hard thing to do and that's a time consuming thing luckily I know we do have a little bit of that scene here in Utah with yeah. a couple of nice guys that I can call at any time. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they go to all the swap meets and then I reap the benefits because they go find <laughs> yeah. it for me. Hey, I'm looking for this. Yeah. I've gone to a couple, but um, in half the time, I don't know what I'm looking at. So I might get screwed anyways. Right. That's, That's the hard part too is learning, learning like what goes to what year and if, is this part legit or is it just a fake lookalike? Like, it's it almost—it was one of those rabbit holes I didn't want to go down, but now that it, I kind of did, but with the right people guiding me, it's been such a breath of fresh air of something really? new, and it's been a blast. That's that's the other part about my business is, I mean, I'm sure you have to get burned out on motorcycles, right? Yeah. Because every time that you're like, I don't want to look at a Harley anymore, and so I'll go jump on by on cars or trucks. Yeah. And that's one of the best, that's one of the best part about my job is I get the chance to do that. I have my motorcycle shop completely separate from the from that car truck shop. And there's times where I won't step into the motorcycle shop for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then there's time where I get sick of cars and just blast music, turn on the hardcore punk rock music or some hip hop and just jam just out on the bike. Mess stuff. with the bikes. Yeah. that That's one thing that would be cool. Cause like. For me, all day, every day, it's just Harleys. Yeah. I mean, and I still love it, but sometimes it does get old. It can. It can wear on you at times, you know, and that's the, you know, the rallies and the races and things like that are what keep me loving it. Like, that's the stuff that keeps me moving. Something to look forward to. For sure. Like a vacation. Yeah, it's a vacation. It's just a reset button. You know, get out of the shop for a few days or a week and... uh also, for me, when I go on these trips or go, is I'm looking for inspiration. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, you go to something like SEMA. Oh, dude, you come back, like, with a fire under your so ass. So many ideas. For yeah. one week. Yeah. And then you fall back into your old schedule. No, no, but for real, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Arizona just for that, looking for inspiration. Yeah. And yeah. meet cool new people. Dude, how long have we been going? 145 yeah should probably start wrapping it up yeah wife's gonna wonder where you're at yeah my kids mostly kids kid, wife don't care yeah <laughs> just just where's dad yeah no well uh yeah i uh appreciate you coming out you know we hadn't talked in a few months few i don't know it's been a little while busy. Yeah. you know and i know i get it like you got a business to run you got stuff going on you got a wife and kids and life happens so but i was stoked that you wanted to come out and 
do the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I was really excited just to catch up. Yeah, for sure. See, everyone, I just want to say that, you know, I, I'm a loyalist. And I, I'm, I've always considered myself loyal to you guys. And what you've built here is like, I, I truly love, and this has come with age, is seeing my friends and my homies succeed. Mm -hmm. And like, it's super awesome to see where you've taken this. And same for you. I mean, for you to do what, you know, have a passion project and just do the stuff you love to do. Like, it's cool to see. Yeah. For people to get, there's people that are bummed out that we're succeeding and doing things. And I don't know how people live like that, but seeing your friends succeed and seeing what you've built here is truly amazing. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I mean, and you've been a supporter since day one. I, mean, I think I have. I tried to. You know, and I'm sure you have the bigger fanboys. I try to be here as much as possible, but you guys are killing it. And yeah. Stoked on it. I appreciate it. Well, um, if people want to follow Power Coat, you guys are on Instagram. Mainly Instagram and YouTube. Okay. We're going we're gonna to ramp YouTube back up this summer. Yeah. I'm trying to just do fun things. All we, we're just film us doing like the same dumb shit, like even if it's jackass shit, you know, just fun things. Yeah. Because we have a big space. We have you the can, junkyard. We used to do some stupid stuff that's could get us in trouble or hurt. <laughs> You're so, right. So stay tuned. Yeah. No, it'll be good to follow that stuff. But uh, thanks for coming out and chatting with me. Appreciate for it. For sure. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah.